You're listening to Church on the Park Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. This morning, my message is recharge, recharge, and we'll be starting in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16. The Lord inspired me to do a new infographic. I won't always be doing these infographics, but right now, the Lord has me doing this, and This one can be found on brisbanefire.com. Here it is, how to recharge God's way. How to recharge God's way. And in it, there's eight points, but I'm only going to be covering the first two. In the weeks to come, I I may cover the other ones. We'll see how the Lord leads us. But it's how to recharge God's way. You can find it at brisbanefire.com under the infographics section. Let's start off with some prayer, and then I'll read this verse. Father, I'm asking that you'd breathe on us, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would teach us how to recharge your way, that you would help us and guide us into all your truth, and that you would, as the wind is blowing around us, that the wind of your spirit would blow here and refresh us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's put our hands on our hearts and pray this with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 reads, Therefore... We do not lose heart, but though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look at the things which while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the theme this morning is that God is teaching us His way to recharge. Now, there's ways that the world will teach about recharging But we're going to be looking at God's way to recharge. So how can you recharge God's way? Here in this chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we see that Paul's apostolic team experienced a barrage of difficulties. And if you go just a a passage, two paragraphs up in verse 7, we read, Paul saying, but we had this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the the body, the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is, works in us, but life in you. And so this is a classic passage. 
afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken. Why were they able to talk like this? You know, crushed, but not, here it's in crushed, uh, sorry, afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. How is it that they were able to talk this way? It was because they had a secret. They were able to find daily renewal in God. They were able to find daily renewal in God. And as we would say today, they were able to recharge spiritually. So this is what we're looking at. We're going to learn how we can continually recharge. And again, you can find more on the infographic. And I'm not covering every single base. I'm just getting started this morning in this direction. Um, and the whole purpose of being recharged by God is so that we can carry out the Father's will. Now, there's a great harvest coming. I believe in my heart, and as I've been praying and spending time with the Lord and listening to Him, there's a great harvest coming, and the Lord keeps on uh, reiterating to me to prepare everyone for that harvest. And it will take us putting these principles that I'm going to be talking about into practice to keep us from fainting in the harvest field, because a harvest means that there's going to be work. Uh, harvest means that there's going to be labor, labor involved. And so a harvest is very joyful, but we need to learn to how to daily be renewed, how to recharge so that we don't faint in the harvest field. And God needs every hand on deck because there is uh, so many people that are going to need to be discipled and they're going to come from all walks of life and they're going to be hungry and thirsty and they're not going to know the ways of God and you're going to have to make sure and uh, not put the expectation on them to be perfectly holy as they just come in. Uh, God makes them holy, but it's gonna, in a, there's going to be some, uh, what is it? Inward suffering on our behalf as we see them stumble and fall and learn how to walk. Just as a parent, it takes a lot out of you to be a parent. How many parents here? <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot out of you being a parent. The same thing goes with the harvest. So there's just two points, and I'll develop it, that I'm going to talk about today. Let me know you're there. Are you there? Amen. And you're listening, amen. The two points, the first one is, I don't know, where are my children? That's the question. Where's Eva and where's Valerie? I'm not too sure. Because Anna's not well, so she's home. And I'm thinking as a parent, where are these kids? <laughs> so the first point is this, rest. The first point is this, rest. Say the word rest with me. Now you've heard this often, but we often don't understand how to rest God's way. We don't understand what rest is. Because rest is not just taking time off. It's something much deeper than that in the Word of God. And these are all the things that I've been using lately to recharge myself. And these are things that I use continually, these uh, points that I'm making, I use continually to recharge. Build a rhythm of rest into your life and family. As a father, you need to build a rhythm of rest into your, your life, your own personal life, as well as your family. That's one of the reasons why we had that time, our family time, and going away. It's following this uh, wisdom from the Word of God. Build a rhythm of rest into your life and family, a structure to supernaturally recharge. What we have found through COVID is that it has knocked God's people around, and it's knocked them out of a godly rhythm. 
So let me be clear that laziness is not rest in God's eyes. Rest is not just doing whatever you want to do. Rest is not just laziness. Rest is not just, is not, rest is not laziness. Rest is not just doing what you want to do. Uh, rest is not staying in your pajamas all day. That's not what I'm talking about, about rest. We've had a lot of those type of things during the COVID time and the lockdown. But rest in God is a lot deeper. Rest in God is a lot deeper. Authentic rest is not just taking time off, but taking time to enter into God's presence. It's not just taking time off, but taking time to enter into God's presence. Matthew eleven twenty eight, And all of us know this one. Notice what Jesus says is rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So it's Jesus that gives us rest, and that rest comes as we come to him. So getting rest means drawing near into the presence of God and being in the presence of God. The presence of God supernaturally recharges us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It involves learning. It involves him teaching us. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And that's what we need. We need rest for our souls. And rest for our souls recharges us. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's in God's presence that we recharge, revitalize, and restore. Amen? Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8. And this is a chapter that's been on my heart this week as a church. I'd like us to meditate on it. Nehemiah chapter 8. And we'll go to verse, we're not going to read the whole thing. We'll go to verse uh, 9. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. This is in the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. This is the month where it's the blowing of the shofar, Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the new year. And also the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a month in the Jewish calendar of both celebration, repentance, and, uh, and more celebration and joy. And the walls, I thought we were going to be out of the book of Jer uh, Nehemiah, but now the walls have been rebuilt and restored. But there's only a remnant of people in, uh, in Jerusalem and Israel, uh, you can read about how many are there in chapter 7, but there's not many people. There's not millions of people. It's, it's roughly, and I don't have the exact number on me, it's roughly about 50,000 people compared to millions and mil millions of people. So it's a remnant that's bringing the restoration. And that, that's how it is. In God's kingdom, a remnant bringing the restoration. They haven't heard the word of God for a long time, so the word of God is being uh, spoken to them. And then be, as everybody is there, they're all assembled, they're all hearing the word of God being read to them. The Levites are explaining to them and translating the word of God to them. And because of this, they're cut to the, the people are cut to the heart as they realize how far short they have fallen from the word of God and what Moses had commanded. Then in verse 9 we read, Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, 
And the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the word of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. All the people went away to eat, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate a great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Here, what I want to highlight and what I want to underline is it says the Levites calmed all the people. Say calm. Calm. The reason why I get you to say is it just have it fresh in your mind. And then they say, be still. Say still. Be still. They say they calm the people and they tell them to be still. They call for stillness and calm because the people were quite grieved and upset. The words in Hebrew sound like, for for calm and be still, sound like hush and shh. They have that hush, and it could be translated as the Levites, hush, hush them. The words sound like hush and shh, and the root there is hasha, 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 one of the words. It's all about them finding stillness and finding quietness and calmness. And in order for us to rest, we need to find that stillness and quietness that comes from God himself. It's a stillness and quietness that Jesus has had and and has, and he wants to give it to us. So he calmed them. He told them to be still. And all of this calming, the Levites, sorry, the Levites told them to be calm. The Levites were telling them to be still. And all this had to do with joy because without calmness and stillness, you won't have that rejoicing, that joy that is of the Lord. So here I'd like to say, don't be drawn into the vortex of other people's drama. You know, drama is like a vortex. And it tries to draw you in, and it tries to get your inside all in a storm. Not calm, not still, but whipping around. And and different people, they carry with them all these dramas. And they're a little bit like whirlwinds. And you can get drawn into the vortex of other people's drama. And I could see on that day, one person would have been started crying. Another person started crying. All of a sudden, it caught on. And the whole assembly was weeping. And it wasn't a time for weeping. It was a time for celebrating what God had done. It was a time for them to enter into God's rest and celebrate what God had done. But they started to get drawn into... That weeping, it was understandable because of how far they had fallen short. But God had something different for them. So instead of getting drawn into the vortex of other people's drama, be like Jesus who spoke to the storm. Be like Jesus who spoke to the storm. Look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35. We see that Jesus speaks to the storm. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I mean, I'm a little tempted to be sad myself today because uh, Anna's not here, and I love Anna dearly. And she's not here because she came, she drove, but she was too sick to come in. So we sent her home. So that she can get some rest and get well. And if she's watching, I love you, Anna, and we miss you. 
So before service, my, I, I was a bit in a, you know, bit in a turmoil inside. So I just try to sit and find peace. And I was blessed that Patrick came and prayed with me. And what did uh, Davina said? Don't worry, sit down, relax. We'll cover things for you. And uh, different people were doing things, helping out. It was a blessing to talk and start to fellowship with people. And so immediately here, I knew what I was going to be preaching, but I need to immediately put it into practice. Now, this is the thing with everybody that preaches the Word of God or teaches the Word of God. None of us is above the Word of God. It's all for us. I need everything I'm preaching. God gives it to me to share, but I need it as well. And if you have anybody that's a pastor and saying that they don't need the word that they're preaching, then uh, probably not a good place to be at if somebody thinks that they're above the word of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Again, another classic story. It's not that I think you're hearing this for the first time. It's us being reminded of the power of the good news, the power of that rest and stillness and calmness that the Holy Spirit brings and that Jesus brings and the Father brings. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, that's Jesus, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and waves were breaking over the boat so so much that the boat was already filling up. So here they were in a storm, as other gospels describe it as a storm. We got some fierce wind today, and I can see that you guys are getting rugged up. Hallelujah. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? We see here that Jesus is asleep during the storm. That is that rest he has. And notice as he gets up, he speaks to the storm and says, Hush, be still. That same authority that Jesus had over the storm, he has given to us in him. Did you know that? He lives in you. He has given you authority over the storm. We are ambassadors of peace and shalom. So when we see the vortexes of drama around us, our job is to get up and to speak peace into that and minister peace into that. We may minister to people's hearts, minister to their minds. Sometimes we're ministering to one another. None of us is above the storms of this life, okay? All of us go through it. And so we are called to be the ambassadors of peace and to bring true rest to people. And we do that by speaking the word of God. We do that by standing in our authority in Christ. Hush. Be still. And Hebrew, the, one of the words there is has, has. We would say hush. They say has, has. And another word is hasha. Is, these are words that, again, they sound like our word hush. Shh. We also have to speak to the own, our own storms that are going on inside of us. 
be still, be at peace. Again, we're ambassadors of shalom. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just enjoying the wind rustling through the, wheat, <laughs> the leaves right now. Rest is the foundation of a godly and holy life. Rest. This rest that we're talking about is the foundation of a godly and holy life. The first thing that God made holy, as we read the creation account, was the Sabbath, the seventh day. So the first thing he made holy was the Sabbath. And it's impossible to live a godly, holy life without entering into rest. And let me go one step further and say that lack of rest in God is the root of all evil. Lack of rest in God is the root of all evil. It leads to our own dead works. It leads to our own righteousness, which is like filthy rags. It leads to idolatry, dishonor, complaining. Think about the children of Israel in the wilderness when they were not at rest. It leads to adultery, murder, and covetousness. Lack of rest leads to all types of sins, all kinds of sins. But real rest produces good fruit. Eve was not content with what she had. She was not at rest in her heart. So she needed that fruit from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. She had not come to that place of rest. She didn't realize what she had. And so she, started, she was tempted to come out of that rest. Let me say it like this. The whole temptation of Satan. These are some fresh thoughts here. The whole temptation of Satan was to pull her out of God's rest, what she had. She didn't know the power and the provision of what she had. And so she was drawn out of that rest that God had for both Eve and for Adam. A document must be still for a master to put a seal on it. Think about if that document's all moving around. A person can't put the seal on the document that's constantly moving. I'm thinking about a wax seal here. Or if you have a cup, and we've used this illustration before, if you have a cup and somebody's trying to pour you a glass of water, if you don't keep that cup still, it's not going to receive the water. There's a great temptation of us trying to impress God. That's when we're, entering, that we're, we're exiting out of God's rest. We're trying to impress God. We're trying to make something happen. But I would say let us let go of trying to impress God and let God impress us with his image. Let God impress us with his image. And in order to do that, we need to come to a place of stillness and it needs to be a rhythm in our lives, a rhythm of uh, a daily rhythm, a weekly rhythm. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Let's just backtrack. Weekly rhythm, monthly rhythm, quarterly rhythm, yearly rhythm. And you can see in the biblical calendar, there was all these pauses and rests in the community life like we have here in the seventh month in Nehemiah we just read and this is something we need to allow God to build in our life and let me tell you it's not easy because everything fights against you getting rest especially when you have one kid two kids three kids four kids five kids it is not easy it's not easy to stop. It's not easy to get rest. It is a battle, but it's a battle that you need to fight because it's in that rest 
that God impresses His image on our lives and it keeps us and we find contentment in God and it keeps us from falling into our own dead works and sin and things that may appear good but aren't good, but they appear good. They appear good to everybody else, but they don't come and flow out of the fountainhead of God's rest. Entering God's rest means you find complete satisfaction and joy in Him. You are content. You find your complete satisfaction and joy in Him. Psalm 1611 really puts it into, uh, really puts it into a, a real, um, beautiful, puts it in a beautiful way. Let me say it like that. Psalm 1611 puts it in a beautiful way. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there is pleasures forever. So I hear an amen. Did we, I'll say the last part again. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. And so if we're not, going, if we're not finding our joy in God's presence, we're going to try to find it elsewhere. If we're not finding our contentment in God's rest in his what he has given us we're going to look elsewhere but we need to find our satisfaction and this is what it means to enter into God's rest we're finding our satisfaction in God's presence it's entering into God's presence that gives us supernatural rest and recharges us just like a phone needs to be recharged we are we recharge when we stop running here and there, and where we come into God's presence and we connect with Him. Find joy in the simple things, not the sinful things. Sin always makes life complicated and complex and filled with drama that God doesn't want us to have. And sin tangles us into a spider's web. So find joy in the simple things rather than the sinful things. Entering God's rest means entering into his victory and triumph. It means he has won. It is a deep knowing that it is finished. Like what Jesus said on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. And I was thinking about this as we were watching the final NBA game, the Bucks versus the Suns, as a final NBA game this week. And we had a, Anna and I had a beautiful time this week. We uh, spent the day celebrating our 22nd wedding anniversary, which is actually this Saturday, but we celebrated it early because Bible school's starting soon, and so wanted some relaxed time to celebrate it. And we had a great time celebrating, and it was very joyful. And uh, near the end there, Anna now likes basketball because of Gideon. Uh, at, one time she, we, at one time, we would be watching basketball in the house, and Anna says, oh, I don't like basketball. I'll never watch that. And then... Uh, one time she sat down and watched it, and she started to get interested in all the players. And now she's a big basketball fan. <laughs> Especially the Knicks, that's the team that we follow. And the Knicks did quite good this year. But uh, there was the Bucks. One of the, one of the uh, Knicks players is now on the Bucks, Bobby Portis. And there was, I mention this because there was a fierce competition all game, and then it comes near the end of the game, and the game isn't over yet, but the Bucks had scored so much that the other team couldn't come back in time. So the whole crowd, and this, and this is during COVID time, the, the stadium's absolutely packed. This is America. It's COVID. It's, it's quite bad there, but the stadium's absolutely packed. And outside, there's around 65,000 people jam-packed like sardines. And I thought it was more like, it looked more like 100,000 people. But the, I guess the low estimate was 65,000. 65, 
So somehow things are getting back to normal. Here, we're going back to what uh, America was like, you know, a year ago. And <laughs> somehow they're trying to get things back to normal there. But here, this is the, the purpose of this. Uh, I, I'm, I digress a little bit, but the purpose of the illustration is this. There came a time near the end of the game where the other team could not come back. And because it was played in the home court of the Bucks, the whole stadium erupted in cheer and celebration, but the game was not over yet. But they had already won. Now, this is what the cross means to us. The cross means that the devil has been given a death blow, that sin has been defeated, that sickness has been defeated, that the devil has been defeated, that it is finished and we have rest and we are celebrating now even though the competition in the game is not over and the enemy is fighting back, but it's already won. And our rest is standing in that. Amen? Our rest is standing in that. That he has won the victory on the cross. And we need to continually remind ourselves of that. Rest means entering into his victory and triumph. Though the game's not over, yet it's over. And that's the paradox of it. Entering God's rest means finding your comfort in Him. He is your comfort, not the artificial and sinful things, but He Himself is your comfort. And like I've been saying, you rest by coming into God's presence and knowing that in His presence, all is provided. That was the wonderful a characteristic mark and feature of the revival in Brownsville and all other revivals throughout history was the sense of the presence of God and that in the presence of God we are healed we are restored we are recharged we are given wisdom we have supernatural peace it's in God's presence so here and I'm almost finished here let's fight to be in the presence of God because there is no Demons lurking around there. It's just God himself. Let's fight to be in the presence of God. It is the place where we recharge. My second point, and this is the last point, and we won't spend as much time in this point. So the first thing is rest. The second thing is eat the word. Now there's eight points not for today, but in the infographic, so you can check it out. That's brisbanefire.com, the infographic. And also, we got one week to Bible school, so you can go to holyfireschool.com, holyfireschool.com, and you can register starting the 2nd of August. So if you're interested, you can register. And we'll be eating the Word during that time. So let me talk about this point, eat the Word. The Scripture is the Father's food for your soul. The Scripture is the Father's food for your soul. So when we went on, uh, on our annual leave, I was quite spent. Of course, at that time of year, I was quite spent and exhausted. But what I did is just spend time in the Word, reading the Word and eating and digesting it every day. And that reading of it it's not just reading it. It's about eating it, digesting it. Now, how do you know you're eating the Word and digesting it? You know you're eating and digesting the Word of God when it starts working in your life, when you start living it, and when it gives you energy. So just like natural food, the Scripture gives your soul strength. It gives your soul uh, energy, life, nutrition. And this is how you recharge. And so let's look at Jeremiah 15, 26. And then after that, we'll look at Elijah and we'll end with Elijah and we'll see what the Lord does next week and how we pick up next week. Jeremiah 15, 26. And let me say, as we turn there, I was so blessed that Victoria's willing heart 
to last minute lead us in worship. Where's Victoria? Is she? She's, uh, yeah, yeah. She's probably out with uh, little Elijah. <laughs> Good on Yeshua. Here we are, 15, and you've, you've heard this before. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I'll read that one again. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. So don't just read the word, but eat and digest it. But reading is the beginning of taking it in. But don't think that if you read it, that that's just the end. You need to take it in and pray. Help me to digest it. <laughs> this is one of our prayers now. And I don't know if uh, D Diane inspired me to pray this. Last time we visited, she might not remember, but it was, uh, it was all about, we were talking about digesting the Word of God. And when we digest the Word of God, again, it's now coming into our system. It's now becoming a part of who we are, digesting the Word of God. Now, let's, uh, we're going to be ending by looking at 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19, and we're looking at a Elijah here. And Elijah had just been calling down fire from heaven and had a great victory. Fire came down from heaven. The prophets of Baal were put to death. And Elijah just had this great victory. And it's when you have a great success or victory where you really need to guard yourself. And as, after this great success and victory, in 1 Kings 19.1, we read, Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. That's the false prophets. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid. That's Elijah. And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Now, you don't usually find a great man of God who have just called down fire from heaven and has had this great victory. You don't usually find a great man of God afraid of a threat and running for his life. But here is Elijah... Great man of God as he is, great victory. Jezebel says something. Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you too. And now he's afraid and he runs for his life. Why does he do this? It's because at this point in his life, he's depleted. I believe he's emotionally and spiritually depleted. He needs to be recharged again. And this is a lesson for all of us. It doesn't matter how many great exploits you do in God. You need to continually come back to that place of rest and eating the word and finding your life and renewal daily in God. Do I hear an amen here? So it doesn't matter how many great exploits you do. We each need to learn how to recharge. And this is one of the sad things we've been finding in our generation. You think, oh, I thought that person was such a great man. And all of a sudden, they die. And then you find out all these things about their life. And what happened? There came a point in their life where they kept on going. They were not entering into God's rest anymore. They were not finding that recharging from the Holy Spirit. And they, they started running for their life in some way. 
But here's the good news. God is still looking after Elijah. And in verse 4, But he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. So he was so depleted, he wanted to die. He wanted to give up. He was filled with these suicidal thoughts. I want to die. I want to give up. It's over. He requested himself that he might die. And this is the thing when you're, uh, when you're depleted, when you're running on empty, it's easy for you to want to leave it all and give up. Have you ever been there before? And know that even Elijah was there. Verse 5. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree. Now notice what's the first thing that happens in his recovery is he sleeps and he rests. So here's the importance of resting. Here's the importance of also sleeping, taking care of your uh, physical body. And he, there's a couple times that he rests. He lay down and slept under a juniper tree, and behold, there was an angel touching him. Thank God for that angel. It was ministering to him. And we talked about angels last week, too, when we talked about the Machanaim, the two camps or the two companies with Jacob. There was an angel touching him, and he said to him, Arise, eat. Now, what is the angel telling him to eat, do? To eat. And what am I telling you to do this morning by the grace of God? Eat the word, eat the scripture. This is the way to recovery. Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and, and laid down again. So there's a second time he laid down. And this is what the Word of God is like to us. It's like this bread cake baked on hot stones. It's like a jar of water. And it really refreshes us and restores us and recharges us. So he ate and drank. The same thing goes with communion. It, it strengthens us, our inner person, being renewed day by day, as Paul said. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. For all of us, the journey is too great for us. And sometimes it feels overwhelming. The only way we can get through the journey is continually arise and eat. So I want to say as we come to a conclusion here, arise and eat. Arise and eat. Arise and eat. Let that be a rhythm and pattern in your life. Not just a Sunday thing, but an everyday thing. Arise and eat. Because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank. Again, so you notice that this is repetitive. He did it before, he does it again. So he arose, ate, and drank, and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Isn't that amazing? On that simple meal, he went for 40 days. So this was supernatural strength from this eating and drinking from the uh, food that the angel provided. And this is what the Word of God does. If it's digested, it gives us supernatural strength for the journey ahead. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. We'll cover more next week, but I think we covered some good ground today. God's way to recharge is different than the world because God's way centers around Him and His Word. The power, the recharging happens when you do the Word, not just know about it. So again, this God's way of recharging is different because it centers around Him. And
and it centers around his word and his ways. And this is how we recharge in God. This is how we find renewal in God. You can go on the internet and find all sorts of different articles about how to uh, kind of recover and find strength. And some of them have some uh, good pointers in them, but nothing compares to God's way. And as God's people, we need to learn that recharging from God's way. Without, without it, we're not going to be able to sow seeds for the harvest and work for the harvest and tend the harvest when it comes. So, Father, we bring this to you. These two specific words that have been on my heart for today. Rest and eat the word. Lord, I'm also still in the mode of recharging and finding strength in you for the journey ahead. Many of us are. We, we need that supernatural strengthening and recharging from you. Father, I pray right now that we would find that renewal in your presence that everybody watching this would find that renewal in your presence, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Help us to put it into practice. Help us to digest your word. And as a congregation, I pray for a great health, spiritual health for us. That when we are tempted, we would enter into your rest. Find our contentment in you. And that we would be those who, like Jesus, speak to the storm. Right now, there's a few different storms going on. And even this week, there was a few dust devils in our own life spinning around. But right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to the storms that are represented here in our lives, in our families. And we speak to them and say, peace be still. Shalom, shalom over the storms. Heavenly perspective. And shalom over the storms and over the things coming at us in the name of Jesus. And to all watching this, shalom, shalom. Peace to the storm. Hush, be still. Shh, you bring the quietness. You bring the stillness, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's just spend a, a few moments in the presence of God. Uh, I want to give an opportunity. Daniel, if you want to say anything. Diane, did you want to say anything? It's a rare opportunity that you're here, so I just want to give you an opportunity. If you have anything to share, feel free to come forward and, and share it. If not, let's just spend a couple moments in our heart entering into God's rest.